Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back to America's Heroes Group Roundtable with Boots on the Ground with our partner, Victor Lagroon. Today is Saturday, January 22nd, 2022. Our host is Cliff Kelly. My name is Sean Claiborne, co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have a great partner on the show today. We have Mr. Victor Lagroon. He's a U.S. Army analyst, 35 hotel veteran, and director of strategic partnerships and alliances and diversity and inclusion and the Veterans Advisors for Greater Los Angeles. And we want to talk about something really particular. We want to talk about how our military and our defenders of democracy are protecting our constitutional right to vote. So, Mr. Lagruin, how are you doing? Good, sir. How are you? Pretty good, good sir. Nice to meet you. So tell us, what is the role of veterans in, the, in voting? What do, how can veterans protect the right to vote and protect our democracy? Well, you know, it's, it's really important that we think about how important voting is to veterans, in particular veterans of color, right, African-American veterans, as you think about what we stood for throughout history and the times in which we've served and the conditions under which we've served. Going back to the Civil War, it's been important for us to gain and protect and preserve the right for us to have a voice, and that voice is your vote. So throughout history, you know, black veterans have served and and veterans of of other nationalities have served as well with the hope and the aspiration to obtain democracy. So once we've had that sense of democracy, we went through the 60s and we got all these bills passed. It's important that we understand what's at risk. Right. And if we just in a snapshot, look at what um, Texas did in their state legislature. Right. They were able to pass legislation on the state level that would hinder the access to the ability for many people to vote, especially those in those communities where they are predominantly people of color, right? So not just understanding that voting is important, but the access to vote, the ability to vote, is really what's at risk. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. This is something a little bit more specific, but um, there was always a, a big push, particularly by conservatives, to have voter IDs or some kind of picture ID as a requirement to vote. What is your stance on that? I know a lot of people have said that that was just one one step towards um, uh, disenfranchising people. What's your stance on that? Explain that to me. What is the what is some of the pros and cons of having um, voter uh, picture ID for voting? So, you know, there's a lot of complications with picture IDs for voting. And here's why. We don't have clear access for everyone to have a path to voting. Right. So there are only certain IDs in which certain states will accept as valid identification for you to have credentials to vote, right? So I want you to think about that. So let's say you were formerly incarcerated, and the only ID you have is what they release you with from the prison system, right? That is not considered a valid ID in many places. So that person may not have the ability to gain access to vote. There are young people who just coming of age who may not have a state ID, which has federal, federal credentialing on that ID, right? So now they may not have access to vote. And then you look at our service members who are abroad on bases internationally. 
And now they're trying to restrict how people can vote via mail, right? Mm-hmm. Long distance voting. So if that's impacted, I want you to understand that there's thousands of people who may not be able to exercise their voices. So the ID piece of it, I think it's important that we have something in place so that every person can be verified. I believe in that because I, you know, none of us want to see any instance in which there's fraud. However, I don't want to see circumstances in which we create more barriers for access than we necessarily need. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that we have a very open and out front discussion about this. Uh, we have some real time solutions that matter and work. Um, you know, if we're going to say, okay, you can have an ID card from issued from the city and it doesn't necessarily have to be from the state, then that has to be something in the state legislature that allows the vote to count on the state level. Hmm. Now, now, one thing I think is interesting, too, is that in, when you go look at history, there's tons and tons of times in history where particularly African-American women, we had to, women had to fight to be able to vote. Men had to fight to be able to, black men, black women had to fight to be able to vote. And then all of a sudden, we so we see all these uh, these crazy ideas and schemes like having uh, IQ tests, you know, at the voting polls, and you know, having to you know count how many beans are in a, a jelly jar, and it's, cra- it's crazy stuff. This this to obviously keep you from voting, even people being terrorized and beaten and killed for trying to vote. So have, having that in the backdrop of our history, and with and knowing that we have some of the most accurate elections in modern times. How do you, how does the how do people justify this all of a sudden need, which seems to just come out of it's come out of this out of the last election, but in particular to try and uh, somehow fix the voting system? Well, you know, I don't think anyone's intention really centered around fixing the voting system, right? The voting system works, right? It's it's extremely accurate and extremely difficult to tamper with. It's extremely difficult to uh, go beyond the firewalls of the systems that are there to protect these voting machines that capture everyone's vote. So what this is really about is suppressing certain voices, right? This isn't about preserving the system to make sure that everyone's vote is accurate and, and programs work and all this other stuff. Let's, let's just call it what it is. People turned out in record numbers to ensure that America had different representation on Pennsylvania Avenue. And that's what happened. And when that came to be, there was a shift not only in the House, but in the Senate. And when one party goes into power after another party, right, this is what you see. This is a form of retaliation to me. This is saying, okay, these people of color came out to vote in record numbers. Young people came out in record numbers in some places. Women came out in some places in record number. We've got to do something about this. So what did they say? Okay, we're going to close polling stations in these areas, in certain areas, not more areas, right? But they increase them in other areas, like certain suburbs, certain rural communities, right? So this is a very targeted and concerted effort in which certain communities, certain states, certain parties want to see a voice like yours and mine be suppressed again. And far too many people died and sacrificed, literally, for us to have the capacity to use that voice, right? One of the things that really like bothers me the most is always in my mind is one of my great friends whose family immigrated here from Haiti. They worked hard. They raised their sons. Their sons joined the military so that their parents wouldn't have to pay for college. Both sons went in the Army. Both sons were friends of mine. And one of my friends was killed in Iraq, Hmm. patrolling the streets to ensure that Iraqis had a fair and just election. It's ironic, beyond irony, 
that someone could love America so much that they would join the military during the time of war, go abroad and fight and ensure that other people had the right to vote. And then for us to return home from war, return home from a 21-year war, and now our right to vote is at risk. That's crazy. Right? So when you think about it, you really understand what's at risk today because you also have to understand what the cost is. There's human capital that's been spent. American lives have been spent to preserve voting rights across this world, literally across the world. So then when we come home, and if you're stationed in Georgia, but your home of right of record is Tennessee, right, and you can't get back to Tennessee and vote, you want to make sure that you and your spouse can at least exercise your voice. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we're doing with um, the Black Veterans Empowerment Council is that we're encouraging veterans around the country to serve on polling, right, to work at the polling stations, to communicate in the congregations and communities about how people can get registered, where people can go and vote, showing up early, organizing transportation, because I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell you. This is going to be like the 60s again. I believe it. People are going to be discouraged from voting. Mm-hmm. We've already seen reports. We've actually seen in the news where some right-wing organizations have shown up at polling stations to intimidate people of color from voting, right? When people show up at a polling station with a long rifle, when they show up there with their gear on, they're geared up as if they're getting ready to go into combat, while you want to vote, that's problematic. Mm-hmm. And for so many senators two days ago to vote to obstruct, right, the John Lewis bill, the voters right back, that tells you all you need to know. We have a problem in our country around democracy. We think that democracy should fully be afforded to some people, but not all people. And that's not what the Constitution said. But it seems right? like though there's a history in our country of trying to hold on to power. It seems like the country, we, when you look at the foundation of the country, it wasn't like, I mean, Absolutely. if you look at the American Revolution, most people, don't, people don't, don't know is that only a third of the country actually were for the American Revolution. <laughs> to go into the go in and separate from the British because the people that were in power, the landowners and the, and the people that are making money, said, "Wait a minute, we're making all this money. We want to keep it. We want to hold on to as much as we can. We want to we want to pay taxes to, to these guys over here. No, we can keep the taxes for ourselves." <laughs> so you Absolutely. know, so it seems like it's always about power. The the what what I get insulted by oftentimes is that it seems like people that are trying to nowadays take the power. Back in the old days, it seemed like they took the power and it was just it was blatant. Like you knew what it was all about. It was front and center. It was it was no sugar coating it, no disguise on it. It was no white sheet over the over the eyes or whatever. These people are saying we don't want you to vote. If we catch you voting, if we kept you even thinking about voting, we know we're going to burn your houses down. If you and if you do somehow uh, uh, win an election or are able to change your legislatures or things like that, we're burning down the town. That happened many many times throughout history. You know, where people that were elected dutiful, that rightly were taken out of office by violence and force, like we saw on January 6th last year. So, and so, it's, so it's ironic to me that this, the people are able to kind of to try and even put that argument in the media that this is something that's going to going to fix something or make it better. We need to do. We need to. We need to restrict people's uh, voting ability. We need to try to do all these things to fix this broken system that needs to be improved upon. When in reality, all you're doing is trying to just re- reestablish your own power. That's all you're really trying to do. Absolutely. Like, you, you hit it square on the, on the head, right? One of the things as a kid, I've always been a fan of history, right? But you have to understand that 
everything is deliberate, right? I believe in deliberate intent, especially being an Army guy, right? Deliberate intent is how you execute an accomplished mission. So anytime someone takes these extreme steps to present, prevent certain people, not all people, mm-hmm. right? This is not happening for all people, just some people, from accessing a polling place, from knowing what type. There's so much confusion on the ground about what type of ID we need in Mississippi versus Alabama versus Texas or Louisiana, right? So all of, in particular, you see this from the Mason-Dixon line all the way down and across the site, the south, right? Along the southeast all the way to Texas. This is significant because you also see the density of the population changing, right? It may still be a red state, but the demographics in these states are changing. There's a lot more black people, a lot more brown people, right? A lot more LBGTQ members. And people want to see progress. They want to see equity. And when you say progress and you say equity, some people are threatened because that means they have to share what's at the table. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's absolutely about who can maintain power as long as they can, whenever they can. And if the numbers are not in their favor and the legislation is, who suffers? Right? So what we've got to really do, right? And this, this is critical for me as a mission, right? We have to preserve the right for anyone in uniform, especially anyone who used to wear that uniform and wore that flag on their shoulder proudly with honor. When they want to access and exercise their vote, no matter where they are, they should be able to. And there should be no obstruction for an American citizen to not be able to access their vote. Now, if you say, hey, man, I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't want to use my vote. Okay, that's you. That's your individual right. But if you want to exercise that vote, I don't care if you're 85 or if you're 25, you should be able to clearly discern my ID from the city or the state or whatever. I have time to go get an ID. There were states where state legislators closed the DMVs in certain areas so people couldn't get their IDs done. That's crazy. Right? This is the kind of obstructionism we see in the South in particular, but we got to be careful because this ideology is not restricted to the South. Right? It's not exclusive to the South. Right. So we really do have to think about what's going to happen in Indiana. What's going to happen in Missouri? Right. Could this happen? Right. In other states that border Illinois and Wisconsin. Because before you know it. Right. When they come for them, it's one thing. But when they come for you, it's a whole nother thing. Right. Right. So we need to see this thing at a distance, recognize what it is and then take action. We got to be vocal. We have to be actively engaged. We have to really, really reach out to our legislators and assure them that we have their back around this issue. For those who might be on the fence, we got to get them off the fence, Mm. right? Because anybody who does not want you to be able to exercise your vote is not your friend. Right. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they vote like. If they don't want you to exercise your vote, they do not have your best interests at heart, right? So, again, it's absolutely about who maintains power. The power should be with the people. Power to the people, for the people, Right. And unfortunately, we've got a segment of the population out here in the world that, this, that believes, right, going back to January 6th, if I can't get what I want, I have the right to take it. Right. And if it means at your expense, then so be it. Hmm. Because that's what January 6th was about. How, how could you dare to tell me that my vote isn't more important than yours? Right? Mm-hmm. Because, again, when President Trump 
won the election. Everyone said no one showed up. No group of Democrats showed up and said, we got we need voter reform. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> no one showed up and said, you guys in Texas, this is fraud. Right. We need to audit all. Right? We didn't audit other states. Right. It's, it's the same it. people all the time. Going throughout history is always the same usual suspects that are always trying 100%. to do. Like I said, it's it's it's, it's, it's funny that. That they're not on blast. That they use this. These are the same people that used to lynch people for voting back in the old days. That prohibited women from voting back in the old days. They said you can't vote, and if you win, we're going to burn your house down. I mean, that's what these guys. These are the same people that are doing this stuff today. The sad part about it is, now I do believe this that I think a lot because of because of misinformation and because that our society is as not as educated as it, as it needs to be about a lot of issues and certain things. And people also have some people enjoy a certain level of uh, of uh, privilege where they don't have to see the reality that is in front of them, and they often kind of get duped into ideas and duped into believing that some people actually believe that Donald Trump should be president today. Some people believe that the last election was rigged or fraud or whatever. I mean, and that's because they just don't understand. They don't, and they really don't. They don't really know what's going on. Um, but that's that being said, uh, do you think this is? And we have about ten seconds for this question. Do you think the electoral college should be changed? You know, so I, I had this question. I had this question in, in conversation, not just about the electoral college, but also the filibuster. Whenever you change something like this, you have to be prepared that one day it works for you, one day it'll work against you. Right. But is it more fair? Now, I mean, but the thing is, is it more fair to say, OK, we should right. have one vote for because the times have changed. I mean, I understand the idea behind the, the it. Times have changed. The mm-hmm. demographics have changed. Geography has changed. Mm-hmm. Right. People live in a different environment. I think that there's time for uh, it's time for us to reform the Electoral College because it doesn't work any longer like it was intended. And that's the danger. Right. Because if California has the same amount of votes as Omaha, right? Mm-hmm. Something's wrong. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 you, you, the math is is too off because you know. This, but again, if California was a red state, it would be different, mm-hmm. right? It would be approached differently. But because it isn't, they're actually taking a congressional seat from California. Wow. Right, but that's but, but, about what that really means. Right, but this is the thing. This and this is why, like I said, we have we have this three wing circus. We got a court, we have a Congress, and we have a president. Okay, so supposedly all these three things, your chance to be heard is should. I mean, we have two senators per every state. It's, that's that balances things out. Okay, if, if every person, I mean, the time it's definitely a different for a person who's a New Yorker and a person who's a California versus a person who's in Alabama versus a person who's in Idaho. Definitely, they have different issues and different things that are relevant to their state and their, to, to their community. However, m- most of the issues that we're talking about, typically, did I turn on CNN or turn on the news? Or, these are things that affect everybody across the country. Climate change is affecting everybody, not just the United States, but around the world. I mean, voting rights is a, is a, is a universal issue. Uh, police brutality is, is a universal issue. I mean, those, these are things that are affecting everybody any, everywhere. When the economy is bad, it's bad in New York, Texas, Alabama, and Idaho. So how do we get to the point where we start thinking about, okay, well, what what really is, how do we start, stop playing politics and start actually working together to solve civic problems? You know, that, that's, a, that's a big question, brother. And, and in part, it's a big question because politics is what keeps some people relevant and in power. 
right? So if we weren't playing politics, right? If, if there's no boogeyman, then you can't convince certain people to let you do things ordinarily they wouldn't let you do, right? The Patriot Act, for example. There's no way we'd have given up that much power to the government had there not been something looming over our head like terrorism. Same thing with voting. There are some people who will believe a rhetoric that is given to them by a legislator in their community, and they will say certain groups of people are committing fraud, right? These people are illegally here. They shouldn't be able to vote. There's no proof of that, by the way. But right. that's what they'll say. And people will ingest it and believe it and then repeat it. So we have to fight against not just what's happening on the books, but also the rhetoric that's associated with it that allows uh, some legislators to go out here and push these falsehoods. Because the real danger in this is that truth is no longer the truth. So every lie can be painted like the truth. Mm -hmm. So the average citizen can't discern what's real, what's not real, because if you're not paying attention, if you're not astute, if you're not educated, you don't understand your civic rights, right, and how they came to be, you are at risk of losing everything and don't even know it. You know, people say, oh, well, that's just Texas. It always starts with it's just Texas. Right. Right? Nothing stays within Texas. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, you're going to be somewhere and think you have rights that you don't have any longer because you don't keep up. Right? So we've got to be, this has to be job one. If this administration does not figure this piece out, I can't see a success because this is, there's nothing people of color, black people should covet more than their right to vote because that's the only voice we really have. Yeah. And if that's gone, it don't, the rest of it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, not just, it's not just at the national level. Like I said, the way our country is built, you already have an infrastructure in place. You have the state and local governments, the state and local elections that are there. You got to take care. You got to you got to participate in that as well, because when you start, when people start, people I think often confuse. And I hear this all the time with people that I work with all the time is that um, the people that I serve is that they confuse local issues oftentimes with national issues. They're they're blaming the president for something that your alderman should be taking care of, <laughs> but you didn't vote for your alderman because you don't even vote for in local elections. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, but, you know, but, but so if the people are more just educated about how the systems work and things like that, you're judges, which is hard. I mean, a hard thing to even get into, but you're judges. I mean, nobody even knows who these people are. People running, getting reelected or whatever and stuff. They have, I mean, some people have this little systems where if your name starts with a vow, I'll vote for you. If it doesn't, I won't. I mean, it's a little weird stuff because we don't even know who we're voting for. And we have to educate ourselves, right? One of the things, one of the big sayings here in D.C. is, all politics is local, right? And what that really means is that as important as national politics are, local po politics are far more important, right? Because your state Supreme Court is always going to be important in your state, right? But who appoints those judges? Who supports those judges? Who's funding their campaigns when they go out here and they want a judgeship, right? We have to pay attention to this stuff mm -hmm. because there are so many debts stacked against us in the legal system, that when you go to appeal or repeal something that's on the books and it's in front of conservative judges, the chances are they're going to lean in the direction in which their political affiliation then, right? This is what's happened now at the Supreme Court because the previous administration was able to stack the Supreme Court. Yeah, they did a very good job. So now it. for the next 20 years, you're going to have a very conservative Supreme Court. 
which is why certain things like women's reproductive rights at risk, right? So a fight that people had assumed we no longer would have to fight is now a fight again. And it's not going to stop with that, right? That's the test. They say, okay, we can get this through in Texas. We can do it in Georgia. We can do it in North Carolina before you know it, right? We'll take the South and we'll push it the way we want it to be. Because, again, this is about demographics. It's about power and influence and so on. So we really got to get people educated and urgent around this. I tell my friends in Chicago all the time, you need to pay attention to who's running everywhere in this state. I don't care if it's state representative. I don't care if it's county clerk. Everybody. Because someone is either working with you and for you or against you. Mm-hmm. And if you're not clear, that's a, that's a bad indicator, right? right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's really something we've got to talk more about also. You know, I appreciate VON because VON is always trying to keep this in the forefront of the discussion. We just got to listen. Yeah. And I think that's important. You touched on something that, you know, that is really critical. We got to understand is that corporations do pay attention to politics. Businesses and people with mm-hmm. money do pay attention to politics. They pay attention, they pay attention to everything. They pay people to pay attention for, and pay other people to pay attention. So they're looking at every little thing and trying to see where their advantages are. And then they also control us because, but through the products and services that they provide, which influences what, how we how we react to certain things. But once again, we blame the wrong person. We'll blame <laughs> instead of looking at you know what's in your McDonald's hamburger. We're gonna we'll blame the president, <laughs> whatever, <Right. laughs> or something like that. You know, right. so but you know, but that's but that's the that's the really the, the key thing. So I know we got two minutes left. So take us out. Give us an idea about what. Should we should be doing? Give us some social media as well. Like, what can we do? What can we? What websites can we go to to get educated, get information, get involved, to get mobilized? I want everybody to go out there and take a look at the John Lewis bill, right? The Voters' Right Act. I want you to reach out to your legislators locally, and I want you to understand how important it is to go to vote.com, get registered. Every person in your household should be registered to vote. If you don't vote in these midterms, it's going to be a bloodbath. Okay, and I mean in some instances. Like, it's literally going to be significantly changing. So we, as black people, have to be actively engaged. No one's coming to our rescue. There are no heroes for us. We have to be our own hero, mm-hmm. right? And this is how we, we start here with the vote. And no matter who it is and whether you agree with their vote or not, if they are in within your reach, text them, email, post on your Facebook, Instagram. Go everywhere and let people know. Get registered now. Make sure that when it's time you can, you have your IDs, you have everything you need, because people will suppress your vote. Trust me. Victor LeGroom, it was a pleasure having you on our show today. Yes, sir. Pleasure being here. All right. This is America's Heroes Group. I'm Sean Claiborne. I'm going to send you out today. Glenn is not here with us. So if you want to have any questions about America's Heroes Group, you can reach out to us on americashg.org. And also, don't forget, we're on social media. You can see us on Facebook Live. You can see us on apps like Amazon Live TV, Amazon Fire, Roku. You can also download the America's Heroes Group app coming soon. Our offices are at 155 North Wacker Drive, Suite 4250, Chicago, Illinois, 60606. And our phone number is 312-803-2618. This is Sean Claiborne. See you next week. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.